Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition and this week it comes from Ashley Priest who covers Aston Villa home and away for our sister paper down in Birmingham. Ashley, thank you very much for popping on to the pod. A familiar voice for those who have been listening over the last couple of years. How are you doing? Yeah, my dulcet brummy tones. I'm sure that the Chronicle listeners will remember me. Uh, yeah, all's well. As we're recording this, Andrew, it hasn't been a week yet since Stephen Gerrard's attacking, so it's, it's been a crazy old week. Unai Emery's down at Villa now. Um, I'm sure Newcastle fans remember what happened there last year, or supposedly. So, yeah, new manager's at the helm. He'll start work after the Newcastle game. So, we've got the caretaker in charge on Saturday. Aaron Danks did pretty well last week against Brentford. 3-0 up inside 14 minutes. And, and yeah, the players played with weight off the shoulders. Clearly, some was not right amongst the Gerrard and in the dressing room there. So, uh, all was not well. And, yeah, I'd have said it was lambs to the slaughter. They're going up there at James's this weekend. But, off the back of last week, there's a bit of hope. So, a bit of hope for me driving the three and a half hours up to St. James's. So, let's see what happens. I mean, that was the first question I was I was going to put to you. If someone had said this would be the situation after 12 games and they'd said this to you at the start of the season, Gerard would be out. Um, you'd, Villa would only have 12 points. You know, the, the football wasn't great and you'd be having a new manager in charge. What would you have said in the summer to those people? What about Newcastle fourth as well? I wouldn't have said that either. <laughs> um, yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, would never envisage this at all, especially with the signings they made. Villa that they beat Champions League clubs to to, to Bubakar Kamara, to Diago Carlos, and little they were the they were the players to to, to strengthen Villa's core. That spine and and that they seem the, the key additions, and for them to be injured, just all fell, fell, fell into one. Gerard's future, obviously, no more. And, yeah, it just all turned pretty badly, pretty quick. And it all happened on the opening day of the season, Andrew, down at Bournemouth, newly promoted Bournemouth. Villa rocked up there. They got absolutely battered, you know, and the alarm bells were ringing then on the opening day. So it's all spoiled since then. And obviously it's led with Gerard sacking last week. So, yeah, all, all's not been well down at Villa. And it stemmed from, from the opening day. It stemmed from some of the injuries Gerard had. And, um, and yeah, well, yeah. Gerald's been found out, obviously. He lost Michael Beale back in May. Look at Beale's doing that with QPR. I think he propped him up for a bit as well. So, yeah, it's it's, it's all unravelled. And hopefully now the owners, Villa, have fixed it with, with Unai Emery. It's interesting because, as I mentioned on yesterday's episode uh, on the match preview, I really did consider Newcastle and Aston Villa um, to probably be on the same level. I thought when we get to the end of the season, it'd be those, those two teams would be pretty close in the league. You know, have that ambition of breaking into that top seven or eight and, and maybe just falling short. But the difference in, in where Newcastle are, as you say, fourth in the league and where Villa are 15th and the way their seasons have gone off in total different directions, has it caught you by surprise? Yeah, 100%. But I mean, I was at St. James' Park last season and just the atmosphere there now, it's pumping up there, it's rocking up there and the fans are brought into it. The city's behind the club. Eddie Howe's doing a fantastic job. 
recruitment's been good. Disappointed about Isaac, obviously with his injury, but everything, yeah, it's it's a happy place up there, and it reminds me of the Keegan era. It really does with what, what's happening. So I'm, I'm sure the two fans are getting carried away, and rightly so. They're enjoying it at the moment, and that they've been suffering for, for too long. And yeah, I mean, it's a big concern for Villa now, who Villa fancy themselves to upset the established order. The owners down at Villa spent £400 million pounds with, with, this, with this squad over previous windows and they're not where they should be at the moment. So they want to get back into Europe and they're competing with Newcastle now and it's going to be tough, tough for a lot of clubs to compete with Newcastle. So, yeah, um, yeah, difficult. Yeah, and I'm, I'm pleased for Newcastle though. Yeah, it's going really well and the atmosphere at James's Park is unbelievable. It's becoming a fortress and it's going to be really interesting to see if that that new manager bounce, for want of a better phrase, continues with Villa going into 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 Saturday. Um, but off the pitch, you mentioned there the money Villa have spent, and obviously they had ambitions of of upsetting the established order at, at the top of the Premier League. It hasn't quite gone to plan. Do you think they look at what's happened at Newcastle in such a short space of time, the, the recruitment, and how Eddie Howe has hit the ground running? Of course, we, we cover that by saying it could. And it will likely fall off at some point, and, and Newcastle maybe finish, you know, um, ninth or tenth. But the moment it is going very well. Do you think they they look at what's happened here on Tyneside with a bit of envy, or it's maybe acted as a bit a bit of a wake up call, especially in terms of the manager that then gone to a, a point in terms of Unai Emery? Yeah, it's a big worry for a lot of clubs, as as I mentioned, Newcastle's form, the mood up there, people beyond the scenes at Newcastle now, everything's right and. Yeah, I mean, Villa want to be Villa want to leapfrog above Newcastle, and they want to be above them, and they're going to struggle. They're really going to struggle. And yeah, like you say, Eddie Howe's doing a great job, and it's difficult for most clubs now to compete with Newcastle. And yeah, that, that's, they've got to live with that. And yeah, even even your Manchester United now, they've got to look behind the shoulders because Newcastle are coming pretty strong, and it's going to continue. There'll be no sign that the spending going to be cut. So yeah, um, exciting times for, for your supporters, Andrew, for sure. Yeah, one hundred percent, and just. Uh, last word on, on Gerard. A lot of uh, pundits, especially from from down south, when the two names, Adi Howe and, and Stephen Gerard, were appointed to to the jobs, quite a few of them said Newcastle should have gone after Gerard. You know, he's he's the bigger name. He'll be able to attract uh, you know better players because of the reputation he's got. Obviously, hasn't worked out for Gerard. It's worked out quite nicely for Howe. Um, but w- what went wrong? Because you know he came in and he came into this role with his reputation rather high and it's ended rather badly for him. Yeah. Um, I mean, he, he stormed into Villa Park. He won four out of the first six and the, the, the only two he lost in, in that time was Man City and Liverpool by a one-goal margin and he, he really transformed it, Gerard. And yeah, he really took it, took Villa by the scruff of the neck and dragged them up for a little bit. The wheels fell off um, towards the end of last season. But like I say, he... His recruitment was was pretty good. He changed the recruitment side of things. He wanted older older players, more experienced players. To get Coutinho when they did Villa was was incredible. Really, they got they went out there and got Luca Dean. We'll have him off yeah, twenty six million. And they was acting like a big club. And you think, okay, we're on to something here. But it just all fell apart. I mean, results wasn't good. weren't good enough at all. The system he, Gerard was playing and insisting on, which wasn't suiting the personnel Villa had and. and Given their recruitment strategy before. So it all derived after Marco Bill left for me. Marco Bill, top of the league with QPR at the moment. Highly sought after coach. He rejected Wolves last week. He was propping Gerard up for me. 
But, um, but yeah, Gerard met him. I mean, I worked with him for a while. Great, great bloke. Give you, give you all his time. Desperate for it to succeed. Um, but just didn't have the didn't have the minerals in the end. And players turned. The dressing room wasn't a happy one. He fell out with a lot of players. It's going to end one way, isn't it? And he ended in, in pretty pretty incredible fashion down at Fulham. Player sent off, conceding the penalty, an own goal. It all just all unravelled. And the owners had enough. The owners were at Craven Cottage at night. And the, yeah, they pulled the plug, quarter to 11. The statement dropped. No messing around there. No sentiments. He sacked. Yeah, we want, we, want, we want better. So, and for them to act three days later to get Unai Emery in three days, the Champions League semi finalist back in May to get a club who was just hovering above the relegation zone in three days. It shows you the level of ambition Villa have got. So, um, yeah, we want, we want to chase your coattails, Andrew. We want to be right, 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 right next to you. It's a, it's, a, it's a big statement to get you now. I mean, you know, when you castle initially after him, I think a lot of fans couldn't quite believe that he is. When it when it came down, it was, you know, he was the first choice. And obviously it, it didn't uh, happen and Eddie Howe's come in and, and proved any of the, the doubt was wrong. Um, you mentioned there Coutinho. When he came to Aston Villa, he came around the same time that uh, Bruno Gomesh came to Newcastle. And, you know, we up here on Tyneside all buzzing about our... Brazilian midfielder and everyone down in the Midlands uh, or at least the Villa Park really happy with the signing of Coutinho. Uh, what's happened there? He, he, he didn't feature, if I'm correct, against against Brentford. Is there going to be a chance for him to reclaim his spot or is this going to be, well, he's one of Gerard's signings and he's probably going to be uh, shoved off in, in January maybe? Yeah, I think I remember seeing Newcastle being linked with Coutinho when he became available. So it's, yeah, it's funny how it all worked out. Um, yeah, I mean, when he first came in, he took it by storm. We were seeing the Liverpool Coutinho here. He was he was fantastic. I mean, goals, assists, everything. He was dominating. And then um, just lost his way, lost lost a bit of form, lost confidence, took a massive confidence hit. And looks a shadow of the player now. Really does, looks really leggy. Struggling to see a future for him, I am, Andrew. I really am. He's only 30 still. Been around the block a long, long time. Has that, has that taken its toll? Possibly. Yeah, I mean... I think Carrigan now the other week on Monday Night Football. He's a five-a-side player. He's he's not quick. He, he can't get around the pitch too much. He wants it into feet, and the Premier League will eat you up and will swallow you up if you're going to do that. So, yeah, um, the one who's ahead of him at the moment, Amy Buendia, the Villa's club record signing, nearly forty million pound we pay for him. He's much more dogged. He, he will run for you. He'll, he'll steam into challenges for you. He can do the pretty stuff as well. So, um, yeah, I'm struggling to see a way back for Coutinho. Hopefully, I'm proven wrong because he's a great player there, as we all know. We're down to Emery to, to get the best out of him now. Otherwise, I could see an exit in, Jan- in January, perhaps. Maybe, maybe one of them, them retirement clubs in MLS or something. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, 17 million quid we pay for him in the summer. You're thinking at the time, no brain, they're pretty decent. But I think he's one of the top earners at the club. And if he's not playing, I, th- I think Emery plays a, a pressing style and like, pl- players that work really hard. I don't think Coutinho is that kind of player, so it wouldn't surprise me if we see him, see him off in January. Is that a kind of a nod to maybe one of the issues with the recruitment of Villa Park? Because they've gone out and signed someone who, looking from the outside in, you could say, um, you know, is, is a player who may think he's bigger than the club. Uh, you know, we've, we see the issues at Manchester United, potentially with Ronaldo, someone who's got this kind of, ego maybe and, and they've got this reputation that and all this baggage that comes with with a player. Um is that is that is how would you how would you rate that recruitment? Is that someone that was signed on the back of Gerard, you know, recommending him 
and maybe his ego has got the better of him, or is it is that is that a little unfair on Coutinho? Yeah, he's, he's not an ego kind of player. I think he's just his confidence at the moment. He's yeah, he's not happy, and the man that signed him, the man, the man that put a lot of faith in him, he, he really dropped him as well. To be honest, kept playing him, kept thinking Phil would come good. Um, he's out the door now, so yeah, it's just it's just confidence with him. Coutinho, he's not he's not one of these big time Charlies at all. He's just playing within his shell at the moment, and he's, he's not getting much of a look in. So, but I've been impressed with Newcastle recruitment. I really have, Andrew. You have gone berserk. Okay, the Alexander Isaac was, was big money, but strikers do cost that, don't they? But um, you've been clever with recruitment. Even your Popes, your Matt Targets, your Muscle was a good deal, 15 million quid. Um, so, I mean, how much, how much to say does Eddie Howe have with, 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 with recruitment? I think he has quite a lot of saying it. He likes to make sure that these players who are coming in have the right character. They have to buy into everything that he wants on and off the pitch. And we kind of saw that against Spurs with the, the subs that came on. You know, Jacob Murphy, for example, comes off the bench and just slips straight in mm. to to the, the team and it just starts chasing down, you know, Spurs as the player that he replaced it. And that, that's what it's all about, you know, having this kind of seamless transition from the bench to the pitch. And, you know, when you start, you're listening to the instruction and you know exactly what you've got to do because I think Newcastle, before the takeover, were guilty of maybe splashing out on players who who thought they were better than the club maybe not in the latter years of Mike Ashley but certainly you know in in, in the middle part of the, his reign it was always sold as a stepping stepping stone you come to Newcastle do well for a couple of seasons and then you'll get your big move somewhere it's just not the case now and yeah. that's another thing anyhow wants players to buy into that you're not coming here with a view to getting a, a move to a bigger club because Newcastle United is going to be that big club, you're not going to want to go anywhere else. So I think Eddie Howe has a massive saying in the players that come through the door because at the end of the day, he's so meticulous in everything he does. And every player that comes in has to tick a lot of boxes to get to get his approval. And and so far, you know, it's 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 worked wonders. You look at Kieran Trippier, you know, Chris Wood all got these. I mean, Kieran Trippier is for me probably the the best right back at the moment in in in, in the Premier League in terms of an Englishman. Chris Wood, okay, he's not going to score you too many goals but his his character and his his commitment is is exactly what he is looking for and it's just it's just and all that adds to a nice united dressing room and you know players that aren't even getting on the pitch are still smiling after the final whistle goes he saw it against spurs with ryan fraser he looked like he played 90 minutes and he comes yeah. off um at full time off the bench and uh, is absolutely buzzing so it's a nice United dressing room. Um, what about down at Villa? W- was the issue uh, with Gerard, or was the fractions within the the dressing room? Uh, has you know, uh, you know, and we got a got a bit to do within the dressing room. Or was everyone kind of on the same page? And it was mainly at the door of Steven Gerrard. Yeah, you, you look at last week, the four 0 the celebrations there against Brentford, the the, re- the relief on people's faces. They were playing with freedom. He didn't point to Gerrard's door. It really did. Start of the season as well. I think it was a few days before the opener against Bournemouth. Villa made the announcements. Gerard, Gerard stripped Tyrone Mings of the captaincy. I'm going to give it McGinn. McGinn's my man. And that didn't go down so well in the Villa dressing room, given Mings his popularity. Immediately, you're on the back foot. Players are thinking, ooh, don't like that. It's a bit harsh on, on Ty. So, um, yeah, some decisions like that. Some of the comments as well, which is taken out of context. I think he went on after, on, after the Bournemouth game. Tyrone needs to look me in the eye and, and say he's ready to play, that kind of stuff. But... But Gerard, yeah, he was too honest at times, um, probably too honest with his players at times and, and told them t- told them home truths. And 
players that don't don't not, don't respond well to criticism. But the majority don't anyway. So I think, yeah, but his management style roughed up a few up the wrong way. He cast a few aside. Marvis Nakamba, Zimbabwe midfielder. He was Gerard. He was the star player under Gerard early on. Picked up an injury. Come back. Never seen him again. Strange. Morgan Sanson, fifteen million pounds signing from Marseille. Looked decent in pre-season. I was over there. Didn't get a look in at all. He was cast aside as well. So, Gerard had his favourites. Coutinho won again. Kept playing them. And, yeah, the dressing room dressing room was pretty pretty cut down the middle. There was clicks in there, I'm guessing. But I think they're reunited now. But, yeah, totally polar opposite to Newcastle. I see the photos in the dressing room afterwards. Even the subs who didn't get on. They're, they're part of it. And Eddie Howe deserves praise for all that. And there's coaching set up. And, yeah, united. That's what you want. That's, that'll take you... That'll take you places. Yeah, 100%. And it, it's interesting, actually, over the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of talk from, again, from pundits who tend to be living in the capital about all the money Newcastle United have spent. <laughs> and yes, they spent quite a bit. But with the Gerrard sacking, it's acted in Newcastle's favour in a way because Villa, as you mentioned, have spent a lot of money over recent years. But what it's done is it's, it's, it's Villa can now be held up and said, well, actually, we're there. You can, you can have a lot of money. You can be backed by your board and you can spend that money, but unless you've got the right manager in place to get all these players working together to implement the style, to implement the work ethic, you know, having all that money doesn't guarantee success. So in a way, um, Gerard's bad luck and his, his sack and it has probably acted um, as a fine example to, to why I think some of the comments made by pundits towards Newcastle United and why they've been successful so far or a little bit disrespectful to Teddy Howe. Yeah, it's all got to align, hasn't it? I think the, the, the Newcastle hierarchy are all are all aligned with Eddie Howe, the sporting director and, and people like that, and the coaching staff, they're all, they're all as one. Whereas at Villa, it was Christian Perslow sounded out his man. He, he knows Gerard well. He wanted the big name, the sexy name, got Gerard down from Rangers and, he, and his coaching set up. And, um, and yeah, there's speculation Gerard didn't get on with the... Johan Langer, our sporting director, which is quite evident now, looking back at Gerard's comments just last week. We asked about the data, data kind of things. The Villa have been outrun by, by all of their opposition this season. And um, Gerard, Gerard, well, he's not a data man at all. He doesn't like data or stats or nothing like that. Whereas Johan Langer, he's massive on data and he has a lot of say with the, with the recruitment side of things. And and that. so the disparity between, between the manager and those above him. Mm. I mean, that's got to be a key relationship, hasn't it? Those above them, above a manager and the manager, they have to get on. And, and, and that's one place Newcastle United have done so well because Dan Ashworth has had a relationship with uh, Eddie Howe prior to that. So, yeah. you know, he didn't come in not knowing Eddie Howe. And I think that's worked really well. And there's just, I think there's just a massive, um, you know, the working relationship between all levels of the club, everyone is definitely on the same page and it's paying, paying dividend, definitely. Um, the win against Brentford, Ashley, a great win, 4-0. Um, you say they're playing with freedom, but how much of that performance and, and that result is the real Aston Villa and how much was that just maybe ripping off that plaster and, and you know, feeling that relief that, that, that you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, Aaron Danks, who will be in charge of this weekend, the interim head coach, he had two two days, I think, to prepare for that one. And he, he, he dropped McGinn, dropped the captain, made some bold calls, dropped, dropped Jacob Ramsey, who's highly thought of, and he played the new system. Villa fans have been crying out for it to play a 4-2-3-1. 
it suits Villa's personnel down to the ground. Whereas Gerard insisted having Watkins as a, as a central striker and Watkins has struggled in front of goal all season. So what, what Danks did, he ripped up Gerard's, Gerard's manual. He, he went with his own system, 4-2-3-1, played, played two sixes as the pivots. And then he let, let the four up front, Leon Bailey, Ollie Watkins, Emi Buendia and Danny Ings run riots. And that's what they, they did in that first 14 minutes. Blitz Brent, Brentford. Yeah, I mean, Gerard could, I mean, Villa couldn't score a goal for love nor money under Gerard. Struggled to score. Um, the system was all wrong. And and yeah, as we, as we witnessed last week, Villa's expensively assembled attacking line just ran, ran, yeah, ran riots. And it seems the way to go. So I'm filled with confidence going up to St. James's Park, whereas if, if I didn't see that last week, I, I'd, be, I'd, be, I'd be petrified. So yeah, Villa got a lot, lot, lot in the locker. They really had to spend a lot of money in that, in that area of the pitch. Watkins was 30 million. Danny Ings was 30 million. Leon Bailey, 30 million. Buendia, 40 million. You know what I mean? These are, these are a lot of money we spent on them. So you expect a return. And we've seen that return last week. Can they keep it up? We'll see. Against the good, good Newcastle side. It'll be a big test for them. Yeah, I think it certainly will be Newcastle United uh, and Jim's prop coming a, a bit of a fortress. I think Brentford are one of those teams that are a bit hot and cold on their Probably day. Team, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they are superb. And of course, Thomas Frank was a, was a name linked to, to, that, to that Villa job. Um, and then, but then they can also have terrible days like they did at St James's Park, actually, where they were they were they were ripped apart. Um, but an interesting stat I saw about Villa: uh, they took 14 minutes to score as many goals uh, on that day as they did under Steven Gerrard in 409 minutes. Yeah. I mean that is astonishing. Yeah, it just shows you the attacking talent we got, and Aaron Danks unlocked it. Go on. And he, yeah, it was all down to Danks, really. We've got, we've got, we've got the personnel, we've got the players, but Gerard's system just, just stifled it. So he says more about Gerard than he does about Villa's squad for me. They've got some great attacking names. You've mentioned it a few of them. I'm a big fan of, of Danny Ings. I think he's a, a tremendous player. And you've got you know the likes of like Sally Watkins as well, who I think is, is done really well despite maybe the lack of goals. Um, do we expect the same approach from Villa as they had? against Brentford? Are we expecting them to, to be as uh, front foot against Newcastle? Yeah, start quick. I think trying to quiet the, quiet the crowd the crowd down. Um, I think it'll be unchanged, Andrew. Luca Dean's back. Frenchman's back. Left, left back. But I think he'll stick with Ashley Young. Ashley Young's 37. He's been Villa's best player all season. And yeah, it's just incredible, really, how he's still still going. Doing fantastically. Um, left back. So I think Villa will go unchanged. It'll be Martinez in goal. Cash. Kansa, Mings, Ashley Young, the two in front of the back four, then Donka and Douglas Louise, both played well last week. And then, then the attacking four will be Watkins on the right, Bailey on the left, and Buendia on Danny Ings. So I think be unchanged. I'm going to ask you, Andrew, Matt Target was not playing of late, out of favour from a video yeah, angle. So he started the season really well, been really impressed with him, but he picked up a dead leg and missed quite a, a few games. And Dan Burns come in. Yeah. And he doesn't look like a left back because he's a giant of a man, and you know someone that tall isn't usually left back. But he's done really, really well. There's been a couple of games where he's been totally done for pace. I mean, even the Newcastle won against Brentford comfortably. I felt Dan Byrne was was probably the weak link. He was exposed a few times against mm. Manchester United. Newcastle picked up a point. Again, though, he was exposed. But to be fair to him, to give credit to him against Everton uh, and in the, the last game against Spurs, he's, he's, 
he's gone back to that consistent level. And and although again he's he was against some really good players out on the on the wide, didn't really look troubled. Uh, that said, I think if one of your wide men can get at him and, and really run at him, they will get the better of him. He's just but he's just he is he's a very good defender and he he deserves his place in that side. And Eddie Howe doesn't change a winning side yeah. often, so that is the reason why. Dan Byrne remains in that side, despite probably, and our, my listeners, our listeners will probably see I'm being a little bit unfair, but he is, in my opinion, the weak link. But that aside, like I say, doesn't change a winning side, and he likes that momentum, Eddie Howe. So that's why he's 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 keeping Targ out of the side. But a very good signing, I think, Matt Target. It's it, it's it's refreshing to have an option like him off the bench to come on. You can play yeah. either flank. It's just nice to have a, a very decent quality left back there to use. You know, Dan Byrne will inevitably have to have a rest or maybe get injured at some point. So to to know you've got someone who can come in and do an, an equally good job, that's music to Newcastle United fans ears because it's been a long, long time since they've had a left back of of, of decent quality like Matt Target. Um, but it's going to be interesting. Who will Dan Byrne have to keep quiet, do you think? It'd be Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins would be on the right wing, so very quick, very physical as well. That'd be a good battle, that will. Um, yeah, I want to watch it at the weekend. Burn against Watkins, yeah. Definitely. And what about the man keeping Callum Wilson quiet? Who's going to have that responsibility? He's old mate from Bull, uh, Toro Mings and, and Avery Kansas. So every time I've, every time Villa applied against Wilson, he's always been a handful. Very aggressive. I, I really like him, I do, Andrew. I think, Villa, I think he rejected Villa, didn't he, when he, when he went to... To James, after his son said, "I want to watch goal. I want to go." Sent him to Newcastle. I remember that interview well. Yeah, Villa missed out on him. A really good player. I like him a lot. Um, packs a punch for his size as well. Great finisher. So yeah, and the player in form at the moment. So yeah, Mings and Cantor against Wilson doesn't fill me with too much optimism from a well, Villa. That was going to be my question. Yeah, because how has Mings been over over recent games? I mean, our listeners won't be. Uh, watching Villa week in, week out. Just give a bit of an insight because, because, again, looking from the outside in, you know, you watch match of the day, but it's it's a, it's a very limited coverage. To me, Tyrone Mings hasn't had the best of seasons and, and does look a bit vulnerable. But again, as I say, that's me looking from the outside in. Before before four nights ago, he was one of Villa's best players. He, he really was. He really stood up stood up to the task. He came back from the, I mean, the armband taken off him really well. And he was probably one of Villa's best players, most consistent uh, back then. But, uh, made some bad, bad mistakes uh, against Chelsea and, yeah, passed it straight to Mason Mount against Fulham, the own goal. So the, the mistakes are starting to creep in again from Tyrone, which can happen from time to time with, with his game. So he needs to be on his metal. Otherwise, Newcastle are making pay. Wilson especially. Love the way he took his goal last week in Tottenham. Not easy to do that at all. And, um, yeah, player in, comp- player in form. So, yeah, Ming's got it all to do this weekend. It's going to be interesting to see if, uh, where Gareth Southgate is this weekend because he could be up at St James Park to see quite a host of potential you know, World Cup call-ups because, you know, Tyrone Mings, I've seen people calling for Dan Byrne. Unfortunately, I don't think he's going to be in with a chance. But uh, Callum Wilson, another one, Ollie Watkins, you know, there's there's a lot for him to potentially see if he decides to make his way up to Tyneside this Saturday. Yeah, I mean, you could be in worse places than that. Yeah, look, for sure. Um Newcastle as well, yeah. Trippier, keep, keep an eye on him. Wilson. Dan Burns, the one, yeah. A lot of talk about him. That might be a potential wild card. A few games to show show what he can do now as well. Good profile, Dan Burns. Good, good size. 
uh, very very versatile as you mentioned as well. So Villa's perspective, I'm not really um, holding any hopes on any Villa player getting into the into the lineup. So um, yeah, tough one from Villa. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In terms of handling Newcastle's approach, we've seen this season them really have this pressing game where they do not give the opposition a moment on the ball, especially the backline and goalkeeper we saw against Spurs. Um, that you know that they're also trying to take control of, of, of the game more. How will how will Villa handle first of all that that, that pressing style of Newcastle? Well, they've got to, haven't they? Really, um, it'd be tough for them. The crowd will be rotten, rotten them from the word go. They'll be pumped up up there again. They'll have all the war flags out, wouldn't you? Again, they really like that and and the change playing. So yeah, I think Newcastle will come out and pretty quickly. Villa have got to settle down and just try and quiet the crowd, crowd down and take the sting out of the game, make it make it a bit ugly. Uh, otherwise, it could be two, three before you know it. So yeah, the crowd will play a big part this weekend. Look, yeah, Bruno's a big player for you, isn't he? In there, he's really performing well. Um, that midfield battle could be could be something. Will it be Longstaff, Willock, and Bruno? I think so. I think just on the basis of him not changing a winning side, and Shelby featured for the first time in quite a while against Spurs. Had about eight or nine minutes, and mm. he, looked, he looked fine. But he's working back to to match fitness. You've got Joe Linton, who's for me been Newcastle's best player this season, but he was. Up, up on the left-hand side as opposed to where he's usually played in that kind of midfield three. But, you know, they beat Spurs, who are going for the for the title. So if everyone's fit, why would you change your winning side? I don't think he'll he'll make any changes unless he, he's forced into it. So, yeah, I think it'll be Bruno, Willick and Longstaff. And, and what we're really, what I'm wanting to see is, is just to see Joe Willick and Sean Longstaff step up a little bit. And I think the fact they know Shelby is a big favourite of Eddie Howe. They know Joe Linton is consistently at a very good level. I'm yeah. hoping that'll act as the motivation um, on Saturday to see them step up because you know they're going to need to. And I, 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 I do also feel, and I know Aston Villa beat Brentford, but I do feel there's a real opportunity here for Newcastle to cement their place in the, in, in the top four and to, to pick up another win at St. James's Park because very, well, only one team um, this year have come up here and, and, and beat Newcastle um, and that was that was Liverpool back in April so it is an absolute fortress and I, I think there's a real good opportunity for Newcastle to get all three points this, this Saturday Yeah Miguel Almiron's been the one for me Andrew Almiron oh, incredible um, looks a real player now as well and the goal the goal last week was no one really talked about it really if Messi scored that last week the way he did and cut, he cut inside and finished having a wonderful season so um Big money at the time, is it 20 odd million for him? You think he's yeah. not, not quite seen it? You've seen the, the, the Gorilla's remarks last, last summer as well, out of order, and um, look what he's doing now. So, yeah, Miggy's having a great season for you. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And everyone's focused on those Gorilla's remarks. Uh, you know, but actually, I think that's a little bit un, un, unfair on on, on Miggy and um, Eddie Howe because 
yes, I, I don't think there's any doubt they would have played a small part in, in this turnaround for Miggy, but it's down to his hard work and down to Eddie Howe just finding finding the the, the thing that's that's unlocked them. Because, yep. you know, listeners to our podcast will know I've, I am the biggest Almiron fan out there and I've always had this faith in him, sometimes blind faith that he'll, he will become <laughs> good. And I'm happy to be proved right now. Um, but what I, I, I didn't, I never for a moment thought... You know, he scored five in his last five. He's been absolutely superb. And again, you, you mentioned that goal on, on uh, Sunday. Most players go down after that initial yeah, contact yeah. from, uh, I think it was Emerson, wasn't it? He just continues. He's got one uh, aim in mind and he, he, you know, puts it away. Absolutely superb. And yeah, he is a man really uh, riding the wave of confidence. And he's going to be so... It's going to be so difficult for, for Villa to keep him quiet because he's, he's got defences fewer now. I think last year you knew what you were doing with him. You, you, you'd, you'd put him as close to the touchline as you could get him because you know he's, he, he hasn't, he's got his head down. He's not really looking what he's doing. Whereas now he's got his head up. He's picking a pass. He's not really thinking about it either. That's the key. He's not yeah. taking that extra touch. You know, been absolutely fantastic. And I, I'm going to back him to get a, get a goal actually against Villa yeah. on Saturday. Yeah, I'm back him. What about the key man for Villa? Who's the key man Newcastle have to keep quiet? Key man for Villa, I'm going to go Emi Buendia. Um, look, 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 Rod's at home last week against Brentford. Plays in the in the hole in the number 10 position. So he's in, he, he'll need marshalling. So I don't know who's going to drop in there to, to keep an eye on him. He, he has more freedom now, Buendia. He's the link between the midfield and, and the attack. So you've got to keep an eye on him. So whether you guys, I don't know who's disciplined enough for, for you. Will it be Bruno sitting in of the I three? Yeah, I think it will it will be Bruno sitting in. But the good thing about the way Newcastle set up is that when people advance straight away, there's someone there to cover. And I think it's yeah, it sounds like a basic thing to say, but it wasn't always the case. You know, players weren't covering, and there was always you know gaps. So I think initially it'll be Bruno sitting in that midfield, just trying to pull the strings. Um, but it could be one of one of anyone. And and to be fair, Joe Linton. If you watch the game against Spurs, he may have been up there on the left, but yeah. the amount of times he was back in between that 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 section you described there, getting a foot stuck in, was was unbelievable. Like what an engine on that guy, and he I mean, he'll no doubt be getting his foot stuck in on on a, on on the attacking players because you know he's he's shown he can do that wherever he plays. So that's going to be an interesting battle to see um to see who who Joe Linton rattles. It's always an interesting one to see who gets a foot stuck in on. Um, what about the main weakness? For Villa, what can Newcastle take advantage of? A Tyrone London mistake, maybe. <laughs> we've, spoken, we've, we've spoken about it. Yeah, the, Rick, the Ricks can creep into Mings' game, obviously. And as Hugo Lloris testified last week, Wilson's on to you if, you if you slip up. And yeah, that's the, that's the one for me. Wilson's sharpshooter. And if you get to sniff of anything, he tends to finish it off. So Villa need to be immaculate at the back. Do they pass it? Around at the back, or did the keeper just bang it up the field? Well, how do they play? Did they play out from the back? They used to, yeah, under Gerard, but last week it was much more direct. Um, um, so yeah, they played through the midfield last week, it was quite good to see. They had more bodies in there, obviously, with, Den, with Dendonka um, and Douglas Louise, good ball player, Douglas Louise, and Brendier was in there as well. So it was much more better last week, front to back, and playing through through the thirds as opposed to Gerard. It was get it to the get it to the fullbacks and, and pump it long, and the, the centre halves were will play around a bit too much and it's very slow um, slow build up so yeah looking much better now off the back of last week and yeah long might continue 
Mm. Well, that's bad news for Newcastle fans then, because if it had been the old the old system, I think that the pressing would have been uh, oh yeah, been quite interesting to see. Will Unai Emery have any influence on on Saturday at all? I know he doesn't officially start till the first, isn't it? But will he have any influence at all? Do you think? Be interesting. I don't know, Andrew. It'd be interesting to know, really. Um, yeah, he starts work on Tuesday. Whether he's been in touch with with Aaron Danks prior to that, I'm not sure. Would be quite interesting if he was in the stands, wouldn't it? Newcastle would be quite interesting. Little side notes, given to turn them down. Um, but yeah, I'm it'd sure be, he's been in touch with the club. A bit like bullseye, wouldn't it, when he wheels on the, the speedboat? <laughs> what you could have won. Yeah, yeah, I know. But um, yeah, the, the players are in for a massive wake-up call back at Body Murray, Villa's training ground. Massive culture change there now. Uno Emery's up there with Pep Guardiola in terms of detail, video analysis. They've got another thing coming, this Villa group. So um, yeah. Fascinating times at Villa. And, uh, yeah, Unai Emery's client by Army now. Is it a bit of a weird game in that sense that you have a new manager appointed, yet he's not going to be in charge for, for this this game? It, Villa a little bit in limbo, or is it a little bit of a free hit for Villa? I, I don't know. How, how do you think they're going to approach it? I, well, I think it's that the players can showcase... They, they want to, the manager will be watching the game for sure. They, they want to impress him. So that, I think it could work in Villa's five, you know. Emery uh, um, will be breathing down the neck almost. They'll feel that new manager's watching them. They want to impress. We've got Manu, double-headed, we've got Manu twice back-to-back next week. They want to be playing in them, them big games as well. So, yeah, it could work in Villa's five of that. They, they know Uno will be watching them. And, yeah, I think they'll, be, they'll have to be on it. Otherwise, they'll be out the team. And that's it then. So we'll see. But um, I think it could work in Villa's favour. There we have it then. So what is the score going to be? I'll, I'll, I'll snap your hand off for a point, Andrew. I'll take a point and go home. That'd be that'd be perfect for me. I'll go 1-1. One, 1-1. One. One, one. Well, I'm going to go 3-0 to Newcastle. I'm feeling <laughs> confident. I'm <laughs> feeling confident. Don't, don't gun to your head. <laughs> position in the top four. I've, do you know, I, I am. I'm just feeling confident and... They're just playing so well at home. They're playing so well in general. Uh, they're really strong at the back as well. And they're clinical. That's one of the key differences. They're just clinical when they get these chances. And I think it'll be a good game, especially for Newcastle. So I'm going to go 3-0. And um, yeah, three points for Newcastle United. You're playing football next year? Well, I don't want to get ahead. Here we go, see? You're backtracking now. <laughs> no, do you know, I, I said initially... I'd take a tenth or eleventh place finish and in a in a, in a in a in a cup run trip to Wembley. Obviously, it's, it's gone so well, better than anyone one has ex- had ever expected. Um, I think January is probably the key. I think January, see what they do in January, if they're still in the in, in the hunt for potentially European football, then January is yeah. probably going to make the difference. You know, it's very easy to say that, point out the obvious, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I think anything. You know, within the top seven, top eight is is more than anyone would have taken at the start of the season. So, it's yep. um, certainly going to be interesting. But I do think this is a really good chance for Newcastle to uh, get an extra three points on the board and and make sure they they head in that World Cup break in a few weeks' time in a really good and strong position. So it's going to be uh, an interesting game. And as I said, three points for Newcastle is what I'm backing. Um, so fingers crossed. Safe journey up Tyneside for you, Ashley. Yeah. And to you guys listening, please remember to like and follow the podcast through your podcast provider to you guys listening on YouTube hit that subscribe button and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk to keep a date with all the latest Newcastle United news 
Thanks to Ash for popping on to the podcast. And thank you guys for tuning in.